You're listening to Bible Truth Feed, a podcast by Christadelphianvideo.org for Christadelphians and all those seeking the truth about the Bible message. Join us now as we present our latest episode. In this short video, we're going to ask the question, does God care about truth? And here's my spoiler alert. Uh, Absolutely, he does. Uh, and so should you. And in the short video, I'm going to explain why. When we come to the Bible and we read about God, we find that he is described as a God of truth. On several occasions, uh, he's referred to in this way. Here's one example from Deuteronomy, the Old Testament. He is a God of truth and without injustice, righteous and upright is he. Uh, And because of this, because he is a God of truth, uh, everything he says, everything he writes, everything he does uh, is right and pure and true, uh, and he can be relied on. He is a God of truth who speaks truth, uh, and we can rely on him. The Lord Jesus Christ describes the word of God as truth. Your word is truth. Uh, And we're privileged to be able to read it and rely on it and find all sorts of information in our Bible uh, today. So there's an obvious question at this point. The Bible says God is a God of truth, but uh, how do we know he is a God of truth? How do we know the Bible is a place of truth? Well, I suppose you can go to lots of other videos from the Gospel Online and you can find uh, confirmation from uh, history or archaeology or from science or from prophecy fulfilled, all sorts of areas uh, where we could find God to be true and his word to be reliable. Um, But let me just talk to you a little bit about the laws of nature and the laws of creation. Uh, Everything that God has made has been done so orderly it's all entirely predictable uh, and reliable. You take the movement of the planets, for example, uh, scientists are able to predict the patterns and the movements and the way they travel through space with such precision going out into the future or looking back into the past that they know exactly where these planets are or will be uh, at any particular time. And that's because the pattern is so predictable and reliable. Um, scientists can look at the movement of the tides and they can tell you when it's going to be high tide or low tide. They could, they could tell you how high that tide will be or how far the sea will go out. And they can tell you when it's going to change season. They can tell you when it will be day and when it, when it will be night. And everything is na- in nature is so precise and so reliable and so predictable that God has built into his creation all these elements of reliable truth. And because of this, the disciplines of science and mathematics, that they're all based on these reliable laws of nature. They work, they're consistent, uh, and they're understandable. Now, uh, these natural laws that God has made, they need to be treated with some respect. Um, You take the law of gravity, uh, for example, uh, and you don't want to play fast and loose with that. You can pretend the law isn't right, You can pretend that there won't be any consequences, uh, but you put it to the test and you'll soon find that breaking the natural laws that God has put into his creation brings consequences. And therefore, we treat these natural laws uh, with the greatest of respect. Um, Gravity, it's not just a good idea. It is the law. Uh, And we need to remember that with all the laws of nature uh, that we find in creation. And God uses the certainty of these laws, the truth of these laws, to confirm that his promises 
are right and true. Here's one or two examples from scripture. Um, when he's speaking to Noah, for example, um, he promises that he will not destroy the earth again. And as confirmation of that, he says, while the earth remains, seed time and harvest, cold and heat, summer and winter, day and night shall not cease. Um, th these laws of nature are confirming his promise that he won't destroy the earth again. But whilst all these things remain, uh, his word will be true. Or in Jeremiah, uh, he speaks about the uh, promises that he's made to the people of Israel about an offspring, a king to rule over them. Thus says the Lord, who gives the sun for light by day and the fixed order of the moon and the stars for light by night. If this fixed order departs from before me, then shall the offspring of Israel cease from being a nation before me forever. So, so God is using these natural laws, which are true laws and predictable laws and reliable laws to confirm that his promises will also take place. Here's another one, also from Jeremiah. Thus says, says the Lord, if you can break my covenant with the day and my covenant with the night so that day and night will not come at their appointed time, then also my covenant with David, my servant, may be broken so that he shall not have a son to reign on his throne. Uh, in, interesting, isn't it? God is here saying, um, if you could possibly stop day or night happening, then you might be able to stop the son of David reigning on the throne. Uh, and it's a, it's a very powerful promise when you look at it in that way. God's promises cannot be broken, just as his natural laws found in creation uh, cannot be broken. So this God of truth, he didn't have to create uh, the world in this particular way. He didn't have to create it with all these reliable, predictable laws, but he has, because that's a reflection of him and who he is and how he works and his reliability and consistency. Uh, and it's evident here uh, in creation. Now, just as it applies in the natural world, uh, I suggest to you that it applies in God's moral world as well. He has laws for the natural world and he has laws for the moral world. And he does have a moral truth, which is important to him. So, for example, back in the Garden of Eden, uh, where a promise was broken, a command was broken, uh, God said, uh, said of the, to, to Adam and Eve, of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. Uh, there is a consequence for breaking this moral code that I'm giving you, says God. Uh, and as a consequence, uh, Adam and Eve broke the law and they surely die. Uh, and I'm afraid that's a feature of mankind today, isn't it? We are uh, sinners and lawbreakers. And the consequence is uh, that we die. And it's absolutely certain. And there's no stopping it. And it applies uh, in the New Testament as well. Here's a quote from uh, Romans chapter six. The wages of sin is death. Uh, absolutely uh, connected there. There's no possibility of change, except that there is an alternative as far as God is concerned, because the verse continues, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus, our Lord. And in the previous chapter, he says, now the law came in to increase the trespass, but where sin increased, grace abounded all the more. 
so that as sin reigned in death, grace also might reign through righteousness, leading to eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And all of a sudden, we're finding a little bit of hope here. Um, yes, God has set moral truths in place. Yes, they are unbreakable. Uh, but God, who knows that we are creatures who break these rules, uh, is weaving into it some kind of hope connected with the work of the Lord Jesus Christ. These laws are bringing us to the Lord Jesus Christ. So, so um, at this point, then, we're finding that God is a God of truth. He's evidenced that truth in the reliable laws of nature. They also apply to his moral truths, which are right and reliable and consistent uh, and have consequences. Uh, and I just compare that with the kind of society we live in today, uh, and I find it remarkably different. The world we live in today has a very different approach to truth, doesn't it? We've we've moved beyond truth as far as society is concerned. That's a few years ago now when the Oxford Dictionary came up with its word of the year being post-truth. Uh, but the definition is quite interesting, isn't it? Uh, an adjective defined as relating to or denoting circumstances in which objective facts are less influential in shaping public opinion than appeals to emotion and personal belief and, and that's where we've got to as a, as a society today we've moved away from objective facts and we've moved to things that appeal to us appeal to our emotions these are my personal beliefs this is my personal truth it might be different to your personal truth it might be at, at variance with someone else's truth uh, but it seems it doesn't matter anymore we can all have our own truths and we can all think what we like that seems to be the world uh, the post-truth world uh, that we all live in but, but that has dangers when we think about it. Uh, Gavin Hewitt, the respected BBC correspondent uh, at the time, said of this, um, I recall an exchange I had at a Trump event when it was explained to me that the fact that a lot of people believed something gave it an element of truth. So if enough people believe something, well, it counts as truth in today's world, even though it might be blatantly false, if enough people believe it, then it counts as truth. And, and, and that's that's where we are on social media, isn't it? Which is a great reflection of society today. Um, doesn't matter what you think, doesn't matter what you believe, you will find somewhere on social media someone sharing your view. They will you find confirmation for your truth for what you believe. Uh, and social media spreads all this information. Doesn't matter whether it's true or not. It's just available. And as uh, 50%, around 50% of UK adults, uh, American adults get their news from social media these days, uh, it's a wonder uh, whether or not that can be relied upon. And, and people might be taking in information which is no longer right or accurate. I, I, I wonder where you get your news from. Um, put a note in the comment box where you get your news from and why you think it's reliable, why you think it might be true. Barack Obama uh, had this to say. It's a media ecosystem where everything is true and nothing is true. The capacity to disseminate misinformation and wild conspiracy theories without any rebuttal. That has accelerated in ways that much more sharply polarise the electorate and make it very difficult to have a common conversation. Uh, we've moved away from truth and we're all saying what we want uh, and we can disseminate all sorts of false information uh, on the internet uh, and nobody knows what's right or wrong and it's very difficult to have uh, a sensible conversation about this and as i'm speaking to you now uh, i'm doing it at a time when u.s midterm elections are underway we've just had 
um, elections in Israel, we've just had elections in Brazil, and they've been really polarizing events. Uh, communities are dividing in a way that we've not seen before. Uh, and the spread of misinformation um, and extreme views is polarizing society. We're moving away from truth to a very divided world. And it's rather unsettling, isn't it? I, I suppose politicians have got a lot to answer for. Um, I, I, I mentioned Donald Trump here. I'm not picking on him. I think a lot of politicians are the same. Um, but even when there's hard evidence, politicians don't always tell the truth. So but, um, Donald Trump has been adamant that his inauguration uh, was better attended than Barack Obama's. Uh, photographic evidence might suggest otherwise, but that didn't stop Donald Trump claiming that his was the best attended. Uh, and, uh, and politicians are a little bit like that, aren't they? They, they? they say what they want you to believe, whether it's right or not. And I suppose we rather lap it up. Uh, Mark Twain had this lovely phrase, didn't he? A lie can travel halfway around the world while the truth is getting its shoes on. Uh, truth doesn't move very quickly, but boy, does a does a lie or false information uh, move around the world quickly. So, so the society in which we operate is a post-truth society. It's moved away from truth. And as a consequence, it's moved away from God. God is a God of truth. His truths are right and unchanging. We might be living in a world which is doing what is right in its own eyes, but God has not changed. And he wants us to worship him in truth. The Lord Jesus Christ has this to say in John chapter 4. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. And indeed, you don't need to look very far in the Bible to find uh, that God wants us to be people who are true. Uh, one of the Ten Commandments is not to bear false witness. Uh, we need to speak truth to people uh, at all times. Uh, Proverbs talks about a lying tongue being one of the seven things that God hates. People who don't speak truth. Uh, and, and he says that not least because lying tongues bring discord amongst brothers. That's what Proverbs 6 says. Uh, and that's exactly what we're seeing in society today. We are seeing discord. We are seeing division. We are seeing polarization because we collectively have moved away from truth and we've forgotten all about God's truth. So we need to try and get back to um, the Almighty and him being a God of truth uh, and the truth that he speaks. One of the other things about uh, the, the presentation of God as a God of truth is that he's often presented as being a God of mercy uh, as well. Uh, and this is quite important, I think, because if God was all about truth and purity and right and righteousness and these very high standards, uh, none of us would ever live up to it. Uh, we'd always be failures and falling short. Um, and uh, if he was the other end of the extreme and he was just a completely merciful God who had no uh, time for truth, if he was just a God of mercy and truth no longer mattered, in other words, you've broken one of my commandments, but don't worry, uh, I'm going to forgive you. Or you've broken another, don't worry, I'm going to forgive you. If it was just about mercy and mercy and mercy all the time, then truth disappears. But what we find in God is we find this wonderful balance of truth being upheld, but being upheld mercifully. And God is invariably presented to us as a God of mercy and truth. And this is very heartening to those of us who are trying to follow his standards. Uh, his, the shortest psalm written out in full for you on screen. For his merciful kindness is great toward us and the truth of the Lord endureth forever. 
the psalmist wants, wants us to know that God is full of mercy in the way that he applies his truth. Abraham's servants described him in this way, um, that he had not left destitute my master of his mercy and his truth. God does not change his truth. God does not alter his standards, but he applies them in a merciful way so that you and I uh, uh, have opportunity of serving him faithfully. Little verse here in Micah chapter seven, thou wilt perform the truth to Jacob and the mercy to Abraham. Uh, and that's how God operates. He does both mercy and truth. When we come to the Lord Jesus Christ, who reveals to us so much about the character of God uh, and the way God operates and the way God behaves, uh, we are not surprised to find that the Lord Jesus Christ has the same kind of characteristics. Uh, it tells us in John chapter one, for the law was given through Moses, grace and truth, mercy and truth came through the Lord Jesus Christ. So when we look at the Lord Jesus, when we listen to the things he has to say, when we examine his actions and his words, we are going to find the same truth, yet it's applied graciously and mercifully. So the Lord Jesus Christ came, this is how he described his mission. He came to bear witness to the truth. Here he is praying to his father and he says, for this purpose I was born and for this purpose I have come into the world to bear witness to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth listens to my voice. Now, I think that means to me then that God is a God of truth. He applies his truth mercifully, and it's most evidently so in the Lord Jesus Christ. We might like to think we can worship him in a way that we want, um, but it doesn't say that. We need to worship him as he wants. We need to follow as he wishes. We need to be obedient to his commandments, not to what we think is right. So this God of truth is indeed a God who cares about truth. Does he care? Absolutely. Uh, and so should we. Thanks for listening. Don't forget to subscribe for more videos like this. Thank you for joining us. We hope you found the episode helpful. Don't forget, most of these episodes are also available as videos on our video channel, cdvideo.org. So head over and take a look. If you have any comments or questions or suggestions, please get in touch or leave us a voice message. We love to hear your feedback. You can email us at bt f at cdvideo.org. If you enjoyed the episode, then please share it with others. Until next time, may God bless you in your studies and your walk towards God's kingdom. Amen.